Okay, church. Well, if you are if you are a guest here or you haven't been here uh, for a long time, today is graduation day. Woo! Can I? Everyone's like, "What is he talking about?" Today is graduation day. We have been doing a series on the believer's authority. I kid you not, for six months. And I have been trying to move on. So normally I do a series like, you know, good four weeks every month of something fresh, something new. Ooh, exciting. And the Lord has just been like, nope, can't move on. The next month, nope, can't move on. The next month, nope, can't move on. And what the Lord began to say is until we really get it, until we really understand it and are using it and, and executing this believer's authority in our life day in and day out after situation, you are not allowed to move on. Well, church... Today's graduation day. Today will be my last message on the believer's authority. And I don't know, maybe, he'll, maybe we'll do this again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but what I really want us to do is I want us to walk away today uh, really understanding again what it is and just committed to walk this out and live this out in our lives. And the next series that I'm going to do, I really believe that God is asking, asking me to teach you guys on the attributes of God. And I feel like the last six months has been like, you know, the believer's authority and what do I need to do and what I can say and how I can take authority. But the only reason why we have any of that authority is because of him. And I believe we need to like reset who God really is. What are the attributes of God? Because day in and day out, you face situations and you hear other people, non-Christians, even Christians, begin to say like, you know, well, why did God allow that to happen? And you're like, Whoa, okay, good question. But can we answer that question? Can we talk about that? Can we understand who God really is? And how do we like, understand what God looked like in the Old Testament versus what God looks like in the New Testament? Begin to wrap our heads and our minds around what does that look like? But mostly, what does the truth of God's word say? And that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I've got attributes of God that I want to walk through. We'll probably do one or two each week. I think it's perfect for Palm Sunday and then leading into Easter, and we'll see how the Lord leads us. But today is graduation day. Amen? We are made it. We've made it. We all are getting doctorate degrees. If you're a guest here and you're just like, I want that doctorate degree, well, we have, our, we have all the stuff online. You can go back and listen to all our podcasts. Six months. Yeah, I mean, you don't have, I mean, it's just there's a lot there. Some of it repeats, but I would just encourage you. God has really blessed us. Uh, it's not just me that's given the messages. We had Reverend Jeremy Gall come in, and we didn't tell him anything about what to preach on. Not a word. He was just like, man, I feel like I need to preach on the authority. Like, come on, brother. Right? You know, come on, brother. Amen. You're hearing from God. Preach it. I know Pastor Liz did a fantastic message. Pastor Andy did a message or two within this series. So we're just super excited for graduation day because I really feel like God is sending us out strong, foundationally strong in this believer's authority to go change circumstances that need changed because he's given us the authority over. So I'm going to read that scripture one last time. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs, these are the ones that follow believers who are taking authority in the name of Jesus. These are the signs that follow us around. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. 
They will take up serpents and they drink anything deadly will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I'll tell you what, their testimony after testimony has come in uh, from people writing on the, on the connection cards. And I just want to share one that came up recently. It says this, let me find it here. It said, God help me lay down an idol and, addiction, and an addiction with a single idea after years and years of trying other stuff. I have walked in freedom for three weeks now. Hallelujah. When we started this series, I was battling sleep apnea. You remember that? Remember that whole story that I went back through? And it turned out to be acid reflux. By the grace of God and his authority and his power, I have not had a single challenge with that ever since I got a hold of the believer's authority and what he really had for me in my life at that time. Hallelujah. And then a few weeks ago, I told you I had been, my stomach had been healed by the grace of God years ago, and I really believe the enemy was just trying to stir up everything I ate, didn't sit right, and I went on for maybe two weeks like that, remember this? I went on for two weeks, and then the Lord was like, hey Jason, hello, you're preaching on the believer's authority, how about you take a little bit of authority over that situation? Because what the Bible says, we have all authority over the devil. And this was a demonic attack. This was, this was the enemy trying to take something that God had already blessed me with. And I just stopped. I was like, Psh, okay, in the name of Jesus, my stomach is healed and whole. And I received my healing. And I have not had a single issue since then. And so to my story from last night, I always have a story each week in which the believer's authority really was just working in our life. So the story of last night, uh, Pastor Liz had already said that we were visiting with Anna. We got to see her dance uh, in the ballet, being Aurora and Sleeping Beauty. It was beautiful. Well, how many of you know uh, that it was a little bit, little bit windy last night? Anybody notice that? You know, maybe hear something? Well, we lost like a part of our fence, like literally like a fence, like just part of it was just... It just like blew a hole through it. So we were driving last night, I don't know, we left at 7 o'clock, so from about 7 to 10 last night, we were driving on Route 90, which has direct access to the lake basically all the way, and no trees to stop any type of wind at all, on this highway for three hours. And I tell you what, I have never driven in anything like this in my life. And I was like, babe, can you like Google like how, how much wind is here? So she quickly looked and says, well, it's 13 miles an hour. And I was like, what? That is a lie of Satan. Because there is no way it is 13 miles an hour. And then it's like, oh, gale force warning. And so like all the signs are flashing. High winds, trucks pull over. Don't drive, right? All these signs are all over the road. I'm white knuckling down this thing. And I was praying this entire time. And I was just like, I started to imagine things. Church, Really? I started imagining trees coming down like off the road and on top of the car or hit a car in front of me and I have to swerve. And I started imagining road signs being torn from like the, 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 the things that they're in ground and like spinning around and coming at our car. And I actually imagined one hitting the car and like slicing into it and actually injuring her. I was imagining all these things as I'm white knuckling driving. I'm not listening to music. I'm not doing anything. We weren't even talking. She doesn't even know the story, right? And I'm like white knuckling this whole time. And boom, the car's going like this and that. And I was like, you know what, Lord? This is ridiculous. These thoughts of fear and 
awful tragedy that this is ridiculous. What does it say? It says that we will take up serpents, they drink any deadly, it will by no means hurt them. We are to be able to walk in the supernatural safety and protection of the Lord God himself. And I just said a little prayer. I didn't shout it out loud. I didn't scream it. She didn't even hear me say it. So in the name of Jesus, this car will stay on the road and no sign or tree or other vehicle will hit it in Jesus' name. That didn't mean I didn't have to pay attention the rest of the way home. And it didn't mean that I wasn't exhausted when I got home. It's like, I literally, like, we pulled into the driveway and I got out of the car and I was like, oh, my gosh, that was only three hours. I mean, it felt like I was driving for three days. Like, literally, like, it was so exhausting to hold on. And then the battle, you guys know when you're in a battle, in a fight, like, in the mental battle, you're battle. And, like, we had, I had to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ said, no, in the name of Jesus. No sign is going to come tearing off of its foundation and rip through my brand new Honda Pilot. God has blessed me with that Pilot. And it's going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, so what is a believer? We're going to look at this one more time. What is a believer? A believer is anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something. And so the fundamental foundation here is that we have to believe in Jesus Christ. We have to give our lives to him. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And when we believe nothing, we, we, just, we, we get to a point. We get to a point in our lives where nothing that comes against us can waver us from believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he did what he said he did. And that we can trust and believe in him and rely on him. And that is the foundation of this believer's authority because if you don't believe in Jesus, then you can't have the authority that he has given us because it's his authority for those who believe. And an authority is delegated power. It is delegated, we look through all the scriptures, all the verses, delegated power by Christ to us, to believers, and it gives us, church, it gives you, not the pastor, well, and me. It gives us, collectively, the right to command and enforce obedience over the enemy in our lives. Man, I just, I'm, so, I'm so excited that we're getting a hold of that and that we're understanding that, that we're graduating with our doctorate degrees today. And it's time to go out there and start practicing the believers authority. You ever wonder, like you say, you're, they're practicing medicine? Like, this person just studied, like, seems like their whole life and had internships and this and that, all these things, and now they're just going to practice medicine? Like, they don't even, like, guys, this is what we have to do in our lives, too. We are practicing these things. It doesn't mean you'll do it right every time. It doesn't mean you'll get it right. Does every doctor give it right every time? And Jess said, Amen. She knows, right? We know. We've had these situations in our lives where we understand that people don't get it right. So we're not going to get it right every time. But we have to understand. We are, this is a practice in our life. It's something that we do. And we do it over and over. And we develop it. And we get better at it. So this, I have a couple other things. I think I've put these up there a couple times. Without authority, without authority, you have no right to use power. Right? If you're not a police officer, you can't stand in the middle of, well, you could try, but people are going to be like, what is that dude? Why is this guy in this nice, you know, navy blue sweater standing in the middle of the street trying to stop traffic? They're just going to be like, eh, 
They just drive right around me. They could care less. But if I stood there with a, you know, with the police, if a police officer stood there with the authority that they have because of their backing of the government, you stop. Do you not? You come to an intersection and a police officer is doing one of these things, you stop. Because there's consequences if you don't. And this is what God is saying to us is we have this backing of him. We have this authority, so we do have the right to use this power. And without power, our authority is meaningless. You have no ability or strength in of of yourself in which to produce something. We need his power. His power, his power, his power. He is the one. We looked at a verse in Luke 10, verse 17. And it says this, so just a reminder for us, we're going to get into uh, the, the sermon that I have for us this morning. Luke 10, 17. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you, put your name in there if you want. Behold, I give Jason the authority Behold, I give Liz the authority. Behold, I give Ruby the authority. This is not age-dependent, guys. Right? Noel has been taking authority over. Noel has been taking authority over some uh, rash or reaction that she had on her arm. She's been battling this thing for like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and we're putting cream on and doing this and doing that, and nothing seems to change. And she came to church about two weeks ago, two weeks ago, and she was like, I don't know, she told you, she's like, Mom. Jesus' name, this thing has to go. She began to take authority over something on her own body. That girl rolled her sleeve up, you wouldn't even know where it is. It's gone. Completely gone in Jesus' name. So behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over, come on church, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All the power that we have power over all the power of the enemy. And so we want to walk in this. And I mentioned this a couple weeks back. I said our righteousness and our authority. The righteousness because of what he did on the cross. And the authority because he ascended and given, he's given us this power. It is both unfair and undeserved. Church, you did nothing for this. It is not by your works. It's not by your goodness. It's not by your faithfulness. It's not because you read the scripture every day. It's not because you got on your knees and prayed five minutes longer than your neighbor. Like, ooh, look at me. I got more authority than you. I've been praying longer than you. It's not, this, this, it is unfair. It's unjust. But it's ours. It's ours, church. We get it. We get to use it. We have it. And we have this ability to go and change circumstances in our lives. And there are times where we need to pray, and there are times where we need to take authority, and this whole series was started because the Lord said, stop praying for things that I've already given you the authority to take care of. And so we're doing it, church. You guys are doing it. And so I want to wrap up this week with the second part of the series of seven ways to have authority and reign in life. Part two. Remember I told you last week, 
Any good preacher can't give you seven points in one message. You got to have three in one and then four in the other. So I made you all have to come back this next week to listen to, the, to part two. But if you missed it, I'll give you the first couple anyway, just because I love you guys all so much. And so here's what I would also say about these seven things. It's like these are seven, not just ways, but they are like actions that we take. These are things that we have to go do. And church, you need all seven. And here's what I found. In order to rule and reign day in and day out, you really need to be operating in all seven. And guess what? I am not fully operating in all seven of them. And my guess is that probably most of us are not. And so I'm going to give you these seven things, and I want you to write them down, take notes on them, and ask the Lord, look, you're not going to be great at every single one of these. But remember, we're working out our salvation day by day. This is, this is the, the discipleship journey with Jesus doesn't just happen overnight. This is a journey, and we want to rule and we want to reign, and yes, we have authority but there are things in our life that we have to prepare for and to do. And these are these seven things that we have to really get a grasp on. And you're going to be good at some. You're not going to be good at others. And the ones that you're not great in, we have to grow in these things. So the very first one is we have to decide to reign. If you don't make a decision to say, you know what, how many times have you guys know? I've seen this in my own life. Like, if you don't decide to walk in to a place and say, okay, this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to just see, I see this happening, and I'm deciding that this is how this is going to go down, many times it actually ends up working out that way. But when you, when we walk into a place with timidity, like, ah, I'm just not so sure what's going to happen, and you know what I mean? It actually, whatever all of our fears were, seem to be the things that come and happen to us. And so we have to make a decision. We have to decide to reign. We have to say, you know what? The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. And I have to decide to reign. You were born again with a new nature, so live it. It's a decision we have to make. And I said this last week. Guys, we have decisions all the time we get to make. We have to choose to rule and reign in our lives. It's a choice that we have to make. Will you choose to do it? Number two, you have to declare it. You can decide it all you want, but you have to begin to change the atmosphere with your words. You have to begin to speak life into situations that seemingly are dead. You know, we, do, we meet with people and we counsel with people, and we realize more and more and more and more and more that the words... The words that are coming out of my, you ever hear the, you know, can you hear, understand the, what is that from? Jackie Chan and Rush Hour. Anybody remember Rush Hour movie? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right, he says that at the plane, right? I don't know if you've never seen it, you guys remember this. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right, these words that are coming out of our mouths, they are creating life and they are creating death. And I just was talking with somebody. And nothing against it, but we all have this. And I was, we, were, we were going through a situation, I was talking to this person, and the person said literally these words, says, oh, well, I'm just a worry wart. That's just who I am. And it was like, whoa, wait a second. Stop for a second. You are not a worry wart. That is not who you are. That's how you're feeling right now. That's your current challenge. That's the battle that you're going through. But do not speak, that you because what we speak ends up coming into the into what we see. You know, we are created in God's image. How did God create the world? Through his words. 
If we are in his image and we have his power, how do we change a circumstance? How do we create life in our life with our words? So we have to declare it. We have to use our words. We have to use the name of Jesus. We have to use this authority that we've been talking about. The Bible says you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. You declare it and it will be established. So light will shine on your ways. And I'm not talking, this is not a name it, claim it church. I'm not talking about I'm going to start speaking to an airplane to get an airplane. If God calls you to do that, then we, we can talk about that. And maybe it's true. That's good. But you got your confirmation on things like that. But what I'm saying is there are situations in our life, and I told you the story about our sweet Eva, who growing up as a toddler was like nothing. Sweet was not a vocabulary word that anybody would have used to describe Eva. And it was, she, was, she was tough. She was firm. She was she resolved. She was tough-willed, strong-willed, all the words we use for the thing. But we decided, say, you know what? We're going to speak what we want to see over our child. And because we, as parents, Liz and I, had authority over her, the words we spoke over her became the truth in her life. Parents, grandparents, husbands, wives, the truth you speak out loud, to be so careful with our words, the truth we speak with our words can radically change circumstances. Now, sweet Eva, sitting in the second row there, is sweet Eva. And if you know her, you'd be like, man, that girl's sweet. So sweet. So helpful. So loving. So caring. So protective. That's who she is. But that wasn't the path that she was on. But we, as the authority over, had to speak that life into her. And we had to declare it. Okay, number three. And then there was areas I talked about last week over sin, sickness, thought life, fear, confusion. There were scriptures I gave you to go after those things in our lives. Number three was realize the greater one is in you. Church, come on. Realize the greater one is in you. Do we understand? Do we understand that we are now, we are creating God's image. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God Almighty himself, the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of you. God lives on the inside of you. And whenever I think and I truly reflect on it, it literally makes me stand like 5'8", with shoes on, maybe a little on tippy toes. It just... When you realize that God, the, the creator of all things, that has more power than we could ever imagine or think, is living on the inside of you, we could stand a little taller, not because of ourselves, not because of pride, not because of my strength, but I boast in my weakness because of his strength. He's the one who helps me stand a little taller and a little stronger. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Whatever's going on in the world, whatever demonic forces or just the world, it's all the stuff, know that the God of creation is on the inside of us and he is greater and bigger than all this other stuff. 
So these first three things we talked about, these are the things that we have to be, be able to, to walk and we have to decide to reign, we have to declare it, realize greater, sin, great, greater one is inside of us. Number four, we have to repent ooh, and forget past failures. And we've been doing, we've actually been reading, there's a book that we started reading a little bit on the way up to Rochester, and the Lord has really been speaking to me a lot about repentance and what it means, and I'm not going to get into it deep because it's probably a whole, maybe even a series or a couple week uh, sermon, but repenting is not asking for forgiveness. And everyone said, oh, what? Repenting is not just asking for forgiveness. We want to rule and reign in life. We have to truly repent of things in our life. You say, well, Pastor Jason, what does it mean? I thought it just meant to ask for forgiveness. Well, it doesn't. It, it means more than that. This whole idea of repentance and truly, if we are truly repentant over something, we begin to see a radical life change in that area. A radical change to an addiction, a radical change to a, to a uh, circumstance, a radical change in our life begins to happen when we truly walk out repentance and what it means. And here's what I have learned and seen, what the Bible teaches and what we, 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 the outward sin that we are going to say we're sorry for has nothing to do with the root cause reason of why we did that. Let that sit for a minute. Men, we battle, if you battle with something like pornography or something like that, you, you, we have to realize that that is not the root cause of the problem. There is something deeper. There is something on the inside. There is the three questions deeper in as to what is really going on. Why are you really turning to that? What is really the issue that is driving that? Something that happened as a child or a father figure or this or you're worried or you're believing a lie or this or that. Those are the real reasons. That's what we have to begin to get to. And we begin to repent and say, Lord, I am sorry, not just for those things that I did, but for the true reason and the root cause, and the lie that I was believing, or a circumstance that can get exposed and we begin to walk in freedom moving forward. This whole idea of repentance is so, it's so deep. It's a reconciliation. It's a life transformation. It's a, it's a more than just asking for forgiveness. It's going back. What repentance means is going back to the penthouse. And the penthouse is usually the nicest place up on the top floor. To repent is to turn away, to literally cast back and say, I can't walk this way anymore. It doesn't mean that you don't slip up again. It doesn't mean you don't have another issue again. But what it means is that you are really beginning to turn and orchestrate your life and your prayer and get to the root cause of what's really happening in your life. You want to rule and reign in your life? You got to go deeper. You got to go deeper. You can't, I mean, if you want to rule and reign in life, you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and just keep asking for forgiveness and think that that's going to change anything. It's okay, I get less amens on this portion, and I'm okay with that. Repentance truly, truly is saying, Lord, I need help. I can't do this anymore. You need to show me what is the root, what is the cause, and I want to break that chain. I want to break that root. 
Why am I yelling at my kids all the time? And I'm constantly saying I'm sorry for yelling at my kids. What is the real reason why? You, are you scared? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Are you whatever? What is the reason? And you have to ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit, who we just said, the greater one who lives on the inside of us, can reveal those reasons to us. And it gives us a church family for others to talk to each other and to speak into each other's lives so we can truly understand and get to, Lord, what is it? I want to have victory in my life. I've got to get past these things. And then to truly live in a repentant life and to live in this victory is we have to leave the past in the past. If you stay in the past, you're staying in the past. You aren't in the present, and you're not able to move into the future. And we have to leave these things behind. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. But it doesn't stop there. And I think this is what we miss is, you know, we, we mess up or we, we do something, or we sin, or we yell, or we curse, or we do, say, oh, Lord, please forgive me. And then we just move on. And of course he forgives you. He loves you. All your sins are forgiven. Every day. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive, forgive me for what I've done. But not just forgiving our sins, but to cleanse us. What is a, cle a cleansing? You ever go through a cleansing process? Like a, a food process where you're trying to like do like a liver cleanse or something. I don't know what those things are, but I haven't done one. But like a kidney cleanse or a liver cleanse or a gut cleanse, whatever. And you're doing this diet and you're changing how you eat and you're beginning to change what you put in and it begins to take things out that aren't supposed to be there anymore. That's the type of cleansing that this is talking about. This isn't like a just, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for that sin. I just keep doing that. I'm sorry. Okay, he forgives you. But what he really wants to do, because he loves you so much, and it's the goodness of God that leads you to what? Repentance. Because he loves you, he doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want to leave you there. So he wants to cleanse us, to wash us, to get rid of all the stuff that's causing us to create the sin in the first place. We all sin. No one's separated. Like, you can't, we all, we all sin. Every one of us. But what God wants to do is transform our lives on the inside to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness, to wash us clean and to get into all that stuff. And maybe we'll do another week or two on that in the future. But we, to live victoriously, to rule and reign in life, we have to truly repent, not just ask for forgiveness. We have to truly repent and get to the root of the issue and then forget those past failures and leave them behind. You cannot rule and reign today when you're stuck in the past. Number five, we have to forgive. Oh, and get rid of strife. Oh man. Another no amener. That's okay. This is hard. We have to forgive and get rid. We want to rule and reign in life. We have to not just repent. And ask, not just for the forgiveness, but walk through that restoration process of our sins. But then we have to forgive others for theirs. We have to, let me say it again, you have to forgive. Uh, now, look, you can choose not to. And then you can choose not to rule and reign in life. This is a choice you can make. 
And they have study after study after study. Those who harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in their life literally leads to cancer in people's lives. Now, I'm not saying everyone who has ever had cancer had unforgiveness and bitterness in life, so please hear me right. What I'm saying is that the factors, when someone holds on to that bitterness and unforgiveness for so long, actually causes the body to begin to poison itself. And we think that we're holding this unforgiveness because we want the other person to feel it. Mmm. Every time I see him in Wegmans, Mm-mm-mm-mm. you left the church. Mm. I'm so mad at you right now. I'll take this banana and throw it at you. Right? That person, it's not affecting them at all. It's affecting you. We're the ones who have to forgive. Why? Because the Bible commands us to. Because what? It's good for us. It's good for us. Look at the Lord's Prayer for a second. Matthew 6, therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need before you ask him. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. In this manner, therefore pray. He knows what we need. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We love this portion of the the Lord's prayer. Yeah, your kingdom come, Jesus. Your will be done in this situation. That's believer's authority, right? We're we're fired up. On earth as it is in heaven. Lord, bring in heaven down to earth. Hallelujah. Revival's happening. Give us this day our daily bread. Yes, Lord. Give me that bread. Everything I need. Provide for me. And forgive us for our debts. Yeah, hallelujah. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm whole. As we forgive our debtors. You're like, wait a second. Forgive our debts as we forgive others? You mean like this is some kind of link? Like I have to forgive because you forgive me and you are so good and I actually need to forgive as well? Yes. That's what that says. As we forgive our debtors. It is okay. Look, church, it is okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry. Can I give you permission for a second to be angry? The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. So we get all worked up as Christians. We're upset that we're angry. That's an emotion. That's a feeling. That's a reaction to a situation. Somebody offended you. Somebody hurt you. Somebody did something to you. It is okay to be angry. It's what you do with that anger. It's how you process that anger. And how you can get to a place of forgiveness for someone is what really matters. And it's okay to be angry. We tell our kids, you know, for a long time, we would get mad at our kids for being mad at us. All right, how many have had that situation? Like, you know, can I have another 30 minutes of screen time? No, the answer is no. Don't be angry about it. You know the rules. That's just the way it goes, right? And so they're getting upset because of something like we did or told them, and now I'm getting angry because they're angry. Right? And we realized, you know what? It's okay for them to have an emotion. It's okay for a child to be upset about something. Guess what? It's okay for an adult to be upset about something. You ever punch a pillow? He knows. I have a punching bag out in my shed. I use that. It's a heavy bag. I love my... Right? It's okay to be angry. But the Bible says be angry and do not sin. But we have to learn how that we... We have, we have to come to an ability only by the grace of God to be able to forgive 
people. Look, and I know there are, there are situations that people have gone through. I'm not saying it's easy. You can get help with this. It's not like, well, okay, I guess I'm just going to decide to do that. And it doesn't mean you forget the situation that happened. That's a whole other message. We could probably go into that another day. But we have to forgive. If we want to rule and reign in life, we have to forgive. Remember, I said... All seven of these things have to be working and activating, and we have to begin to grow and learn in each and every one of them. It's not just one. It's, and if you're not great at one, if this one is hard for you, that's okay. God is, okay. say, Lord, help me with this. I want to work on this. I want to get better with you in this. Lord, help me with this. Number six, worship team, get back up here. Worship, uh, number six, be ready for battle. I will get through all seven. Number six, be ready for battle. Come on, church, get ready for battle. If you are waking up and knowing that you are about to go into a battle zone, do you think you're going to get ready for that battle? Heck yeah, you are. You're not going to walk out there with just in your jammies, drinking your, you know, with your coffee cup going, hmm, looks like there's a real battle going on out here. I'm just going to maybe be, a, hopefully, an innocent bystander of everything that's going on. Sipping your coffee, you know, hitting your Keurig for the second or third time enjoying your stuff no if if there was a battle downstairs and i was coming out of bed i would like put my contacts in before i went downstairs like i want to know what's what's going on let's go if there's a battle downstairs i'm throwing the contacts in i'm probably putting sneakers on in case i got to move a little faster if i got to shift a little bit right if you know you're walking into a battle are you not going to be ready for it Like, we need to get prepared. We need to be ready for the battle. And there are habits that the Lord has shown us in Ephesians that we can go do. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Who are we fighting? Not flesh and blood. Not our spouse. Not our kids. Not our friends. Not our bosses. We're fighting. We're fighting the enemy. The wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. We have to get ready every day. You've got to put on that belt of truth. What is the truth? What does God say about my life? I've got to put on that breastplate and say, you know what, Lord, I am forgiven. I do have your authority. Thank you, Jesus. You've got to put on those shoes of peace. Say, even though I'm angry, even though I'm upset, I will choose to walk in peace and humility and forgiveness in this situation. I'm going to grab my shield of faith. I'm going to have it ready to go so that I can extinguish all the fiery darts that come against me, the lies and the curses that the enemy tries to throw at me. And I'm going to protect my head with the helmet of salvation, remembering that God is who he says he is and what he's done for me on that cross will transform my mind. And I'll take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and I will wield it as a sword. And I will use it in situations and circumstances over situations in my life. I will find the scriptures that I need to have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against him. And I will begin to pray in the Spirit. To begin to pray in the Spirit, to pray in your spiritual language, to pray in tongues and to say, Lord, I don't know what to say in this situation, but I'm in the middle of a battle and I'm just going to pray in my prayer language because that's all I know how to do right now. And there have been situations in my own life where I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. The scripture isn't on the tip of my tongue. And I just begin to pray in my prayer language and say, Lord, you know what to say, so I'm going to pray in the prayer language. 
And it begins to transform the situations. And the last one, number seven, is praise God by faith. We want to rule and reign victoriously in this life. We have to worship him. We have to praise him. And that's what we're going to do this t- today. We're going to close this service. We're going to do I Speak Jesus again. And the reason why I picked that song is because it sums up this whole believer's authority. It sums up everything we've been talking about is use the name of Jesus. And as we worship this morning, if you're here and you have a situation or a circumstance or you want to just be able to rule and reign better in any of these areas, I encourage you to come up front today. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to throw my broken oil all over you. Like if if you were here at the beginning, you know that my my oil broke this morning all over my dining room, whatever, right? I'm not going to do any of that. I just want you to come up here and worship him. I want you to come up here with the situation that's in your life and say, you know what? I'm giving it to you, God. I'm bringing it to the altar this morning. I'm leaving it here, and I'm going to speak the name of Jesus, and I'm going to sing the name of Jesus, and whatever it is, Lord, you want to do with this situation, I trust you, I love you, I will follow you. Amen. Can we do that this morning? Come up here if you want, and let's worship him. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your transforming power in our lives. Thank you for what you've done for us. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord church know this. Every time you press into his presence, every time you come into his presence and you press in with arms raised, with tears streaming down your face, or just standing silently in faith, receiving from heaven, every time you stand in faith, you are taking ground over and over and over. It's never for nothing. It's never for nothing. And sometimes you wake up on Monday morning and you look around and you're just like, nothing has changed. I have been there and now I'm on the other side and I'm telling you, I'm not the same. I'm not the same. I'm not the same. And I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. And I can see, I can look back and I can see that the enemy was quaking. He was shaking, but I didn't know it. I couldn't see it. But I'm telling you, not a single time have you ever pressed into his presence. Not a single time have you ever spoken the name of Jesus. Have you ever prayed and asked for him to help you that he didn't begin to move or continue to move on on your behalf? He does not fail. He never fails. He never fails. He never fails. Every tear, every prayer, every step, every heartache that you've presented to him has taken ground. It is working. It always works. He's always working. He's always moving, church. Stand firm in the knowledge of the one who loves you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just lift up every circumstance, situation in this room this morning. 
and we give it to you. We present it to you. No matter the wind, the waves, we trust you, God. We trust you. We trust you with our lives. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Guys, we're going to close this service with the same way I've closed every service over the past six months. And we're going to take authority in the name of Jesus over Satan, over his demonic forces, over every situation, every circumstance that you all came up here for or that you're all believing for back there. And it goes like this. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and all your demonic forces may not come against us, may not come against our marriages, may not come against our families, against our children, against our jobs, or against our finances, or against our bodies in Jesus' name. You are bound away from us and our families, and we are covered and cleansed with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, kill, or destroy us or our property any longer in Jesus' name. And it reminds you that you are defeated and that we are victorious in Jesus' name. Give him a shout. Praise him. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We are victorious because of you, Lord. And we praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. You've been so good to us. You never fail. We thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here who has never made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. We'll have small group leaders up here that will pray with you, that will lead you and guide you and help you into the next steps of a relationship with Jesus. If you need prayer for anything else, you're like, man, I still need prayer for something, there'll be small group leaders up here who can pray with you. Otherwise... We love you, we love you, we love you. Jesus loves you even more, and he cares for you. Have a blessed week. Don't forget your Stations of the Cross on the way out when you go. Have a wonderful week. Praise God.